0: Welcome to the Grove Community Church Worship Podcast. We're a faith community seeking to change lives, change our community, and change the world. Here's this week's message. We hope you enjoy it. Today is Trinity Sunday, so all across the globe, throughout this 24-hour span, as people, Christians, gather to worship, they will remember this day that we celebrate the theology of the Trinity. Now, the Trinity is a difficult idea. It's three in one. God is one Godhead. There's one being that is made up of three separate parts. There's all sorts of analogies like for this, right? So, so think about it. If we're one dimension, one dimension would be just a singular line, right? God's three-dimensional. He's like the, the box that you draw on a piece of paper that has you know, height, width, and, and depth. He's three-dimensional. We're, we're a single dimension. That's one way to think about it. Another thing to think about is, is I've heard the analogy of an apple, right? An apple has three parts. It has the core. It has the whatever, the meat part, and then it has the skin. It's three distinct parts of an apple, but it's all one. And so those are simple ways to think about the Trinity this morning, but but I'm going to dive a little bit deeper in, into what it means. The Trinity is... Um, is a personality, or it's a God made up of three personalities, three distinct, significant, very different parts. And each part has its uniqueness. Each part is its own thing and its own being, but it's all part of the same being. But the key phrase in theology, at least when you're studying theology on the Trinity, is this idea of mutual deference. Does anybody know what deference means, the the definition? That's a tough word, I know. That's not one you come across oftentimes. But it means to respect and to serve humbly. To respect and to serve humbly. And so when we talk about this interaction of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's a mutual deference. They mutually respect and they mutually serve and love and submit themselves to one another in humility. What in the world would the impact be if every Christian decided to embody how the Trinity interacts? If we lived in a way of humility, if we lived in a way of respect, if we lived in a way of, of, of serving, that's how the Trinity functions. And so today, as we look at this scripture, it's a scripture that Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray. And he's doing it uh, actively. He's actively praying so that they can learn how to pray and then enact it in their life. And as he prays, we get this, this interaction of the, the Trinity along with this teaching on what prayer looks like and how we apply it to our lives. And so today we're going to look at John 17, verses 20 through 23. It's only those four verses, 20 through 23. And we're going to look at those verses and kind of try to understand what it means for the Holy Spirit to be at work and then what it looks like for us to pray in the middle of that. Now, one of the great things about having a, uh, a daughter that is in nutrition and dietetics is that she is oftentimes finds incredible recipes that are both delicious and healthy. And this past week, or I guess it was two weeks ago, she said, Hey, Dad, you know how we used to love the nutter butter cookies, right? Does anybody else love nutter butter cookies? I mean, who doesn't is my question. If you don't... Well, I'll just be I'll I'll take mutual deference. I'll respect you, but you're wrong. They're delicious. And so so nutter butters, I'm like, yeah, I remember nutter butters. We haven't had those in a long time. She said I found a recipe. Now when Morgan says I found a recipe, that doesn't mean she just found a recipe. That means that she found a recipe that she's going to dive into and, and she's already figured out if it is got it's got uh, the, the nutrition that it needs, it's going to be nutrient dense is, is a phrase that I've learned. All of this stuff, right? So she says, dad, I'm making them. I'm like, yes, a healthy version of the nutter butter. So here's what's great about what she did with the nutter butter. She combined peanut butter and honey. Drop the mic. I'm done, right? <laughs> I'm done. She added honey because not honey, I'm sorry, maple syrup. Still the same thing. El- will Farrell would be very impressed as Elf, right? It's got maple syrup in it. So maple syrup. Why maple syrup? Because it's a natural sugar. And if it's a natural sugar, then it brings sugar in a more healthy way. And so she added peanut butter and maple syrup, which I had never had before. And that was the filling. That's what was in between. And then the cookie had peanut butter and maple syrup and almond powder, I mean almond flour and a couple of other things that I don't, I don't, you know. But it was absolutely amazing and delicious. And I could eat it and not worry about it. Like, I'm like, yes, this is, the, this is amazing. And as I thought about it, that's a perfect picture of the Trinity. Hang on to that thought. Verse 20. I do not ask for these only. Jesus has been praying in this prayer for the disciples specifically for the people that were sitting around him that were his disciples that had been following him, and he knew he was about to die. He knew that he was about to go away and that they would be left with the mission. He knew they were about to be on their own. So for the first part of this chapter, he's been praying for the disciples, and now he turns the corner. I do not ask for these only, not only for the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So not only have I been praying for them but now I'm turning the corner and I'm going to pray for every Christian that comes after them. All of the fruit of their ministry that echoes through time and space. Every Christian from henceforth I'm praying for them. Now think about that. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? In this prayer he prayed for you. He prayed for me. He prayed for anyone anywhere no matter what their background is, no matter what skin color they are, no matter what they've done or what they haven't done, he prayed for all future believers at this point, for everybody that at some point in their life begin to follow him all around the globe. But also for those who will believe in me through their word, through the word of the disciples. Now, let me stop and say that this, that this uh, phrase, who will believe... Is an interesting phrase. It has a future tense participle, so it's a future tense, but it also carries with it this ongoing um, uh, action, so it's a present future, which we don't have in our language. It's weird. I, I get it. It doesn't make sense because when we think of present and we think of future, we think of a time sequence, not in their culture. Time wasn't linear. Their idea of time wasn't point A, point B, it wasn't linear, it was much more uh, organic and much more cyclical. And so when when they would pray this in in a present future tense, he's praying for in the future that all those who will believe will continue to believe as well. I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it's a powerful prayer. This isn't a one-time prayer. He's not just praying, yeah, all those people in the future, be with them. He's saying, all those people in the future, continually be with them and work in what he's about to pray. Work in them in unity. Make them one. Not just once, not just for one event, not for just one week, not just one day on Instagram where everybody posts the same thing. But once and for all, work in them. Does that make sense? All of those in the future, once and for all, work in them. And what is it he wants to happen? That they may all be one. One. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be in us so that the world may believe you have sent me. Now that's very confusing, isn't it? I mean, if you just read through it, you're like, okay, he lost me. Think about it this way. Nutter butter cookie. If we're the maple syrup and Jesus is the peanut butter, when we come into Christ, we are incorporated into him and he into us. We are mixed together. We become one with Jesus. And then... Jesus, being Jesus, by his very nature, peanut butter, is connected to the cookies on both sides that are also base peanut butter. They've got some other things in them. Distinct. They're distinct. They're different from the feeling, but they're, they're distinct, but they're still of the same stuff. Does this make sense? If we are in Jesus and Jesus is in the Father, then we are also in the Father. We are the maple syrup. and The Godhead is the peanut butter. The peanut butter that's in the wafer on top, the peanut butter in the wafer on the bottom, and the peanut butter that's mixed with us in the middle. And that's what he's praying for. But not that just us as individuals are the maple syrup mixed in the peanut butter, but that all Christians at all times, of all nations, of all races, of all tongues, of all ethnicities are mixed in with him. In the middle of this God sandwich, we are invited into the very core of who He is. So that our unity is primarily with Him. That we are primarily connected to the Son, and the Son is primarily connected to the Father and the Spirit, and we are sandwiched in with Him in all of this. It, we are all combined together. We're distinct. We're different, but we're all made one with Him. And He's praying that we would be the same way. That we would not only be connected with the Father, not only connected with the Son, not only connected with the Holy Spirit, but then because we're connected to them, we're connected with every other Christian of every other age, of every other place, of every other tongue, of every other race and ethnicity and background and everything. Guys, we are part of something much larger than us. And we're all connected and involved and enveloped by God. He's inviting us in. I've used this analogy before when C.S. Lewis talks about the Trinity. He talks about it's, it's like a dance. It's like a waltz. If you ever watch some of those old BBC shows, right? The shows that take place like back in the old days they do these waltzes and you're constantly changing partners and you're going this way and that way and it's in and out and all of that and you're intermingling and the whole dance floor just kinda mixes together it's kinda like you know I guess uh, square dancing but in a different way but he compares it to a waltz that we enter into the dance with the Holy Spirit with the Father and with the Son and that we're in this dance together And so what Jesus is praying for is he's praying for everybody that is connected to him will join the dance. And that throughout the ages, all people join this dance together and that we are unified. And why? Why is it important that we're unified? So that the world may believe that God sent Jesus, that the Father sent Jesus. They know we, will, they know we are Christians by our love, Right? They know that we are Christians by our love for one another in mutual deference, but also for the others. So what does Jesus pray for? That they will be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. And they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent them. The glory that you have given me, I have given them that they may be one even as we are one. So this prayer in this sentence is so powerful to me, and it brings into the whole idea of the Trinity. He's saying, bring the same kind of unity in your people, Father, that you and I have, that you, I, and the Holy Spirit have. May the people of God live in mutual deference and love and service of one another just as I serve you, just as the Holy Spirit serves me, just as we interact together. Make your people that kind of people. And that's the glory of God. We think oftentimes the glory of God is His power and His might. We think of the glory of God as this shining, oh my gosh, it's brilliant, I can't even look at it. But in this sense, the glory of God is this unity. Have you ever thought about that? that in part, the definition of the glory of God is unity. It's this interconnectedness. It's mutual deference. It's love and service and respect of one another. And guys, this is exactly what our world needs. The glory that you have given me, Jesus says, I have now given to them. This unity that you and I have, Lord, I'm now passing on to them. Guys, we are fully capable of it. We are fully capable of it. Not in our own power, but because of the power that God gives us. So there are no excuses except us. Now, if you're like me, it's easy to watch the television and go, but they. Right? Well, I'll respect if. That person's not respecting me, so I'm not going to respect them. That's not how it works. And this is where I've struggled this week. If I can be perfectly honest with you, this has been a struggle within me. Knowing now the deficiency is in me. That yes, someone might not respect me or laws or whatever else, but that gives me no excuse. Because what I respect is not their actions but them as a human being now let me back up and say loving and serving and respecting doesn't mean you throw out boundaries you get that it means that there are boundaries what would it be like as a principal if there were no boundaries in your school chaos right? What would it be like in the parts department if there, if there were no boundaries? It would be, it'd be chaos in there. You would never be able to find anything. You would, I mean, it would just be utter chaos, right? We have to have boundaries, and that's a good thing. And if someone doesn't respect the boundaries, I'm not asking you to just go, oh, okay, oh, well, and throw up your hands. But what I am asking of all of us is that we check ourselves ourselves. And we say, okay, yes, that's wrong. And yes, that person or those, whatever, needs punishment. And it needs to be met out with justice. But let's all be fair and just. And if we're going to be fair and just, it means mutual deference. That we love despite. Now, the other thing that needs to be said here is not only does it come with boundaries, but it also, this is a passage about believers, about Christians. So our primary concern for unity is within us. But the church itself is a witness to the world. If we get it right in the church, the world sees unity. If we get it right among other believers, the world sees grace. If we get it right, the world sees respect. So even if it changes no one else, God changed me. Even if it changes no one else, God, change your people so that we can show what it looks like. We have the power to do it if we will just lean into it and allow God to work in us. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may become perfectly One. This word perfectly also means mature. It means that we might mature in our faith to such a point that our oneness looks like Jesus. How did Jesus treat the Samaritan? The lady that was had multiple husbands whom he asked for water. How did he treat her? He treated her with love and respect, but he also told her she was wrong. Do you remember that story? Yeah, you're right. The guy you're with isn't your husband. And you've had seven of them. I mean, he doesn't move the boundary for her. He tells the truth in love. How does Jesus approach the Romans from the cross and the religious leaders that are hurling insects? insects? Gosh, that would be weird. Insults at him from the cross. (laughs) Locusts. (laughs) Um, what's he say from the cross father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing let Jesus be our God because he is in us and we are in him so that the world might know I am in them verse 23 you and me that they might become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as I as you love me. God's love is demonstrated through oneness and unity. It's through mutual deference. It's when we love and respect and serve. Don't hold people accountable. How chaotic would it be as a CEO if you didn't hold people accountable? It would be chaos, wouldn't it? How, how, how would it look, Jeremy, if, if... Do you mind sharing what you share? if I share what you shared with me in the lobby about what happened to you this week? This week, one of his big one of his big vehicles, one of, it was a land mo- earth mover. What was it? A big track hoe was vandalized and burned, completely destroyed. What would it be like if Jeremy said, "Oh well, someone destroyed my track hoe. That's it." I mean, no, he'll follow up with it. There's a boundary there, and if the person who did it gets caught, they need to be held accountable. So, if there's, if there's something wrong, there needs to be justice. But we need to enact it in love and in truth. So that the world may know who Jesus is. May we be like him. So, when our kids were little, and they were in a fight, and they used to get into it quite a bit, one of the things that we would make them do was hold hands. Anybody else have to do this with your siblings or make your children do this? All right. <laughs> they had to hold hands, right? And you, would, I would look in there, and, and Bennett might be pulling his hand away, or, you know, like this, <laughs> of Morgan might be going like this, touch like barely touching his hand, but they, they had to hold hands, and Lark would laugh, we would watch him they didn 't necessarily know we were watching. We would laugh because they were so disgusted with each other they wouldn't even they wouldn 't even do it, but then after a few minutes it 's almost like they forgot why they were even holding hands, what they even did to get in trouble for, her, right. And sooner or later they were holding hands and and oftentimes, not all times, but oftentimes before the time was over, they were laughing at something. Because there's something about holding the other person's hand and being that close and having to get by with them that changes us. We are called to be a people who love, who serve, who interact with humility, even if the others don't, whatever other there is in your life. And if we do that, what I found is that hearts begin to change our hearts begin to change. On the night that the man betrayed him, Jesus washed his feet. Make us like Jesus. I hope this message was meaningful and powerful to you. But I also hope that it was challenging. And as always, don't just hear it. Put it into action. Until next week, have a great one.